0: right now what seems to be your trouble i feel depressed
1: i know i should be happy but i'm not
0: well as they say on tv the mere fact that you realize you need help indicates that you are not too far gone i think we better pinpoint your fears if we can find out what you're afraid of we can label it actually lucy my trouble is christmas i just don't understand it instead of feeling happy i feel sort of let down you need involvement you need to get involved in some real Christmas project. Incidentally, I know how you feel about all this Christmas business. Getting depressed and all that happens to me every year. I never get what I really want. I always get a lot of stupid toys or a bicycle or clothes or something like that. What is it you want? Real estate.
1: everybody, this is Ed Hoffman and welcome to the main event. Open up with that clip from Charlie Brown Christmas because it's Christmas time, folks. Thanksgiving is is past us and now it's Christmas shopping time. And remember the the gift of choice this year is real estate. And if you need financing on that real estate, you know where to call, call me. Uh, I use that song, You Make Love and Fun from Fleetwood Mac. Uh, as a tribute to Christine McVie who we lost on Wednesday age 79 can't believe can't believe she was that old and uh that just imagine how old that makes us feel but hey uh she will live on in our uh in the music and uh she was one of the founding members you know Fleetwood Mac was Mick Fleetwood and then uh, uh John and Christine McVie and then Lindsey Buckingham and uh, Stevie Nicks came later, and uh, she's one of the founding members, and uh, we will miss her, but she'll live on in our music. So anyway, hey, uh, I got part three of, the, of my interview with uh, Byron Sullivan, call sign Shrek coming up. Uh, and before i do that let me quickly introduce myself my name's ed hopman with united american mortgage if you're inter- interested in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate like you know for christmas presents uh, call me toll free 951 252 2027 that's 951 252 2027 my 855 numbers having some issues as some of you may have noticed um we're getting that we're getting that cured The politics of getting uh, uh, phone lines corrected when you uh, transfer them to an IT department of a company that you're working for is uh, just more than I can that I can even imagine. So 951-252-2027 will get you to my team. If you hear something that you want replayed, you can go to edhoffman.net, click on the podcast page, or you can... Uh, go to uh, SoundCloud or iTunes, where you can actually subscribe for free. Have it have it arrive in your uh, in your computer, or your iPhone, or your iPad or your iPod, and uh, you can listen to it when it's most convenient for you. And uh, if you have comments on the show, send me an email to ed at edhoffman.net. For those of you that didn't hear the last 2 weeks' show, you're going to want to go back and listen to them after you hear the final part of this interview with uh, retired Colonel Byron Shrek Sullivan, who recently completed his 27 years of service as a military corps fighter pilot. He commanded at the highest levels at the Marine Corps. He fought in combat in Iraq three times, in the air twice, and on the ground once as a forward air controller in Ramadi. He also holds a national security master's degree from the National War College What all you'll recognize is he's a Top Gun instructor pilot. He's got tons of insight and expertise we can learn from. We continue the interview asking him about how politics infiltrating the military in recent years, starting with COVID, wokeness, and its effect on the military. And then we go into talking about the box office smash, Top Gun Maverick.
0: I think that there are a lot of things when we talk about the politics, when we talk about COVID. I mean, I personally, one of the Marines that worked for me was a lieutenant colonel. He was—this guy was a rock—he still is a rock star. He was on the way to becoming a general officer, no doubt in my mind. Uh, Decided he didn't want to take the COVID shot. They took away the command that he was about to go take over. He's been sitting in, you know, legal limbo now for over—you know, since all this stuff happened over Mm -hmm. a year ago. A couple years. And uh, he's just waiting to get out of the Marine Corps. We lost a great, great warrior— because it's some political decision, they wanted us to take an experimental use shot.
1: These are the healthiest, strongest machines we have. Yeah. In the, you know, people that are well trained, they're healthy, they're kind of isolated a bit from society. And, and all of a sudden, hey, take this shot, stick this needle in your arm. And I know that you guys take all kinds of vaccinations, you're going to all, all kinds of places. But we don't know what's in That's this right. vaccine. And we know one thing it doesn't do it doesn't prevent COVID
0: that's right it, technically it's not even a vaccine right a mm-hmm. vaccine would 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 stop you from getting the cold and it would stop you from transmitting the cold in this case it doesn't do either but you know that's that's my main concern about our military today is the political influence that uh, that has been pushed down you know we can't have a woke military we can have a military that is based on a meritocracy that is based on the you know the people who do well and achieve get promoted. And that's what I see. That's what I've seen in my 27 years. And I know that there are different examples of things that didn't happen, but I would ask you and anyone listening today to look back at their own company and their own corporation or any place that they've worked or as to whether they think it was perfectly, um, if, the, if the equal opportunity was perfect across the board, if there was no racism, if there was no, uh, you know. Uh, gender issues if there was no sexual assault sexual harassment unfortunately i think that those things are much more prevalent in society but that's what we have to take out of these people when they join the military is we have to we have to take society out of them and make them a professional and that's what the toughest job is i think
1: yeah we had a uh, we had a leadership program at our at at my company a few years back and we had a couple of uh, Former Navy SEALs teaching it. And he said, You know what? The, the SEALs don't create superhuman athletes. What we do is we, we take a, from 1,000 a and we get them down to 25 guys that can survive this because we're, we're training super teams, guys that will watch their teammates' backs and will create perfect synergistic machines for war. You know, that every single one of these guys that wants to be a SEAL are already a superhuman athletic kind of a person and we're training them for that. And now we bring in all these, all these new rules of wokeness and all these other distractions. What does that do?
0: Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. I mean, you know, and that's funny cause I think I've rolled into top gun, the Maverick movie that we wanted to talk about when uh-huh. we talk about a good team. Um, but I agree a hundred percent. And you know, the, when I, when I used to go walk my flight line at uh, when I was in UMO or when I was in Miramar or wherever I was, I'd see everybody working together. One team, one fight. When I joined the Marine Corps, you know, in 95, when I went through OCS was 94, 95, I was taught that there are dark green Marines, light green Marines, and Marines, and female Marines, and, and all these different kinds of Marines – it was probably 2000 or something like that, that that completely left our vernacular and we just had Marines. And the beautiful thing about that was it's just like America. Why do we have all these different Americans? Why don't we just have Americans Americans? Right. And the fact is, is that you're an American, I'm an American, you know, I don't care if you're black, white, orange, purple, whatever. It doesn't matter to me in the Marine Corps. And, and this was a tough one to swallow. When, you know, the whole uh, don't ask, don't tell thing was getting turned off. Mm -hmm. We would ask the Marines, and I'll never forget this. We sat in a big auditorium. The commandant of the Marine Corps came and spoke with us. And he said, hey, how many of you in here care if the Marine next to you in the foxhole is gay or lesbian? And like five hands went up and they were all like old salty gunnies or whatever, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. The young Marines didn't care. How many of you Marines would care if, you know, the person to your left or right that you're working with in the office was gay or lesbian, zero hands went up. Nobody cared. The, f- the fact is, is that like what you do in the bedroom shouldn't affect how you go to combat or how you work or how you, how you execute your job or what you're, you know, whether you believe that's okay or not. But when you create this team and you're all marines then you're going to fight together. And I'll tell you the interesting thing you know for my last command tour was the majority of the sexual assault problems that we had were either male on male or female on female. Because they're protected. No, so, no, but you're saying that they're protected, they feel yeah, like Yeah, they're
1: they're, they're they're protected. So so hey, they're special people. If you're gay, you're you're special. You're to be treated a little nicer than straight people. And you know it's Whatever we do, when Barack Obama became president, hey, he was elected by white Americans and black Americans, and he should have gone out there and said, hey, this proves that there's no more racism, that America is not a racist country. He should have said that that removes all the limits for for everybody of no matter what your color is. Instead, it was... Hey, let's get some payback. And now it's like, hey, now you're now you're special if you're black, and if you're a white person, you you have to uh, you have to apologize to society because hey, I'm white, I was born white, I have white privilege. Same thing now with gay. hey, If you're gay, now you're special, and we can't disagree with what Barack Obama said or anything he did because now you're a racist, and now you can't disagree with anything that has to do with alternative lifestyles because now you're a homophobe.
0: That's right. No, that's a great point. That's a great point. I never thought of it like that. That's an awesome point. And uh, in fact, yeah, I'm not going to get into particulars, but uh, an individual didn't want to come forward after being assaulted because that individual was concerned that they might, everyone might think that he is that alternative lifestyle, if that Mm -hmm. makes sense. Yep. I think that what you see at the lowest levels are good teams working together. And I, you know, even in the the Marine Corps, when I go up and down the flight line, I see, I see, Marines of all different backgrounds working together and for a common mission. Should we
1: not be concerned about what's happening from leadership into the military?
0: Well, I think the biggest concern that we should have are our politicians. The people who are, who are guiding our military, who are making our military do what they, what, uh, what they believe society wants us to do. It goes back to my, my original point, is that we take people from society and we make them warriors. And we need to continue to do that, because people who have not been trained how to go do God's work around the globe uh, won't be able to do it. It's a tough thing to do to train somebody to, to, uh, to, to kill people. Right. And, and so what you need to do is make sure that the individuals that we bring into the Marine Corps are ready to do that. And my concern is what you're getting after right now is the woke stuff that's going on around this country today. Is that having an impact on our military? Maybe in an ancillary way, I do think it impacts uh, the amount of training that we're able to get because we're focused on the wrong thing, oftentimes. But I will tell you that as a commander for the last two years, unfortunately, the the one of the biggest things that I had to deal with were all those things that we're talking about right now, uh, from a from a woke standpoint. Like, oh, so and so said this, and blah blah blah. It's like, hey, I'm not here to. To, you know, to, to be daddy in this situation, like, you guys figure it out. You're grown adults. You know what I mean? Like, why, why am I hearing about this? Oh, because you have to do something about it. Because this isn't right. It offended me. I'm sorry I offended you. Somebody else is going to offend you when they put a bullet inside you because you weren't ready to go fight.
1: Exactly. Here's, fill out your hurt feelings report.
0: We got to get back to making Marines and not, not allowing society into this uh, military. Uh-huh. Exactly.
1: It used to be that we brought people from all, all areas of the globe and they melted into American culture. What's changed now is, hey, we have to respect their culture. They want to come here and change our culture to, hey, if you want to live in America, you come here. These, this is how we do things in America. And you, know, you came here because you didn't want to be at your other place, at whatever country you were in. Don't come here and
0: try to change us. That's right. We're, we're changing for the 0.7% to get on media. Exactly. And, and it's the exact same in the military. Like, we, we take society, we make Marines. We take Chinese, African, whatever descent you are, and you come to America, and you should just be an American. You shouldn't be an African-American. You shouldn't be whatever. You should be proud of your heritage. That's fine. I don't have any problems with that. But in reality, if you don't want to be here, Leave. If you exactly. want to try and change this place, then go go back to where you' wherever it is you came from and because right now there are hundreds of thousands of people crossing that border today to get a piece of this American pie because they believe that this is the shining city on top of the hill the people that I talked to you know who, who have immigrated here came here for the specific reason because they wanted to be Americans. And the people here who are spoiled Americans don't have any idea what it's like to live in a third world nation where no one cares about your hurt feelings report. They're just going to take your money and your stuff.
1: Exactly. And who knows who knows who's coming across now? Okay, yeah. so let's let's talk about some fun stuff. All right. So Top Gun Maverick was a huge hit at the box office this summer. I personally loved it. What I loved about it versus 1986, Maverick's coming in. It's all competition. It's Maverick and it's ice It's Viper. It's Jester. It's uh, all the all these guys, and they're in the Indian Ocean fighting some conflict. They come up on a Mig, uh, they go to Top Gun, they they train, they have this competition. Uh, Maverick gets the girl, then he loses his partner, and then uh, all of a sudden they go back to some conflict in the Indian Ocean. We don't know what they're fighting for. All it is is we know it's a dogfight. This is how I see it as a as a civilian movie watcher. He's bringing in the to teach some of these new guys how to push themselves beyond uh, what they think they can do and beyond what they know their machines can do. And they're very specific about what the strategy is to get this uh, nuclear site. Before they go in, we've seen them train for this, You know, go in, go under the surface-to-air missiles, go up over this hill, do an inverted thing to get down to stay low below the radar, go bomb this thing, get out, then you dogfight your way out. We know specific, We don't know where it is. We don't, we just assume they're in the Middle East. And to me, you knew when they actually went in what they were trying to do and what the strategy was. It was exciting to watch. Is it anywhere
0: near reality? <laughs> so, I I loved both Top Guns. I think that they were both great. I like Top Gun Maverick way better than I did the first one. As did I. Exactly the same reason that you're saying. Um, and, uh, and it it was a great movie and that's what it was, was a movie. Um, you know, the, the reality behind it, before we get into the reality behind it, the realism, like, uh, you know, when you, so let's take a, let's take a quick snapshot of what Top Gun is. So Top Gun is our Navy weapons school. It's where we send our best and brightest and we make them instructors. Okay. In actuality, you know, they might be a little bit cocky, but (laughs) <laughs> the machismo, if you will, that was in both Top Guns does not exist or should not exist or wouldn't exist if good commanders were in charge, because they'd squash that. What we what we try and do up at Top Gun, when guy goes to Top Gun, is we take him or her and take them from where they are to where they need to be as an instructor. First, got to be able to make sure that they can do the mission that they're trained to do. And so, yeah, when you want to talk about... When I graduated from Top Gun and I left, man, it's all downhill from there. Like, I was the best F-18 pilot that I could have been in my life at that point. The training was tremendous. um, And teaching me how to instruct and pull out the learning points and teaching me how to be the keeper of the training rules, what we call the training rules, Uh I got a long story. I got a funny story I could tell you uh, at a different time. But uh, how I almost got t- kicked out was being too aggressive uh, during during some of our 1v1s when we fight, uh, you know, one aircraft against one aircraft. And one of the things that I learned was that, hey, look, you're the keeper of the training rules. And what the training rules are are – it's a methodology of keeping you safe. The hard deck. They talk about the hard deck uh-huh. all the time, right? The reason the hard deck is there is because if you depart the aircraft and lose control below that certain altitude, generally it's five thousand feet above the floor. Whether the floor is so, if the floor is let's let's say you're fighting in, you know, Arizona where it's about thousand foot uh, um, ground level is about thousand foot MSL. Well, we would make the the hard deck six thousand feet because you'd add that to that. Altitude, right. Mm-hmm. So it keeps you five thousand feet above the ground as a bottom line, or the water. And what that enables you to do is, if something happens and you get down there and you're too slow, and you lose control of the aircraft, basically it gives you just enough time to eject out of the aircraft safely. So they love to use the hard deck at Top Gun. That is a bad thing. We do not go below the hard deck for any way, any reason, and the ramifications that uh, that. Uh, that Maverick saw from going below the hard deck are real, and you would get in trouble just like that. That would be a very bad thing to do. Uh, but up at Top Gun, we have so we hit, we have these training rules, right? Um, generally, there are blocks. There's different things that we do to keep aircraft safe. The way that they came to the engagements, you know, popping up between two aircraft, uh, that. Not that close. It would never happen. You always try and keep your passes outside of 500 feet, especially if the other aircraft does not have situational awareness to you. If they don't know that you're there, you don't know which way they might turn left or right, and then you have a mid air collision. That would be bad. Right. But so we take our best and brightest, we train them to go back to the fleet and train the next best and brightest. And so the individuals that go through Top Gun have got to be humble professionals, quiet professionals the guy or gal that sits in the ready room, you can come up to and ask a question about whatever. They'll teach it to you. But you know, when you go strap on that F-18 or that F-35, that if you're not at the top of your game, they're going to whoop your butt. And so, those are the type of people that we want, to, to come to Top Gun, to, to go back to the fleet and train so that we can make everybody better. But as far as movies go, I thought it was awesome. Um, so. Let's talk about what was it realistic, and like I said, it was a great movie. But today, you know, we talked about invading uh, the Russia invading Ukraine and how we would have fought that. It's the same thing we would have done here. The, the whole concept of the GPS jamming would have taken out the F 35s is ridiculous, but it it helped make the movie so that they could make two seat aircraft so that they could get their. Their uh, their they're actors inside of an F eighteen because the F thirty five only has one seat right so it would have been very difficult to try and film that the filming of the movie was tremendous like the, the the action shots and all those things were amazing and the low levels that they flew somebody asked me they're like are those real I was like yeah. I know specifically many of the low levels that they flew but some of them one of them we call the million dollar ride it's up uh goes up through the mountains up near from Seattle Portland over there in that area and it's just amazing and uh it, the first time I saw the movie I was like I know that I've been there you know what I mean mm-hmm. but uh it was really exciting to watch that part but that mission that they went and fought is tailor made for an F35 tailor made like we would have taken out all of those surface to air missile systems uh, first, um, or jammed them, or done something to make it so that we could get in and take out that weapon system, or those that nuclear facility. Uh-huh. Now, the low-altitude tactics that they use, uh, a lot of people today believe that since we have stealth and we have all this Gucci stuff, we don't need to do low-altitude tactics. I'd argue that we need to keep every arrow in our quiver sharp and ready to go at any time, because uh, we... There is a point where we will need to do low altitude tactics. So, the idea of coming in low, uh, below their radar, below their surface-to-air missile systems, is legit. And it's something we used to train to a long time ago. And I shouldn't say a long time ago, maybe 10 years ago. Uh, And we're still getting back. Now we're kind of getting back to doing that in the F-35 as well. Mm -hmm. Um, But to think that that canyon... There would have been what we call visual observers in there. They would have known that that is a weak entry point, and they would have defended that from low altitude tactics. I think one of the things that they did bring up a lot in the movie was the man in the box. Did you do you remember that when he uh-huh. said? So they said that a ton in this movie, and they didn't say. It. I don't know if they ever said it at all in the first Top Gun. I need to go back and watch it. But they,
1: they didn't. They didn't bring it up in specifics. But you you hear heard it. I've watched it about six times now. And and I start to this is why I watch movies over and over, because I start to notice the little things that you watch it one time in the theater and and you just don't you don't you don't catch that little stuff. Yeah. And I know that there's there is tons and tons of thought that's put into every little comment in there. And so I, you miss them. So I like to watch movies over and over and I go, oh, OK, I caught that. I caught this.
0: So I, just to explain where that quote comes from, that's from uh Baron Von Richthofen, the Red Baron. Uh-huh. And in World War I, he said, the quality of the box matters little. Success, success depends upon the man who sits in it. And and I think, or man or woman today, right? I don't care. Uh-huh. But, uh, but the fact is, is that's true. That is totally true today, just as much as it was yesterday. If you got a great aircraft like the F-35 and you're not trained how to use it properly, why the guy in the F-5? Or the you know the low end fighter is gonna is gonna take it to you or the gal in one of those aircraft. It's not the plane; it's the pilot. That's right. It's the it's the man in the box mm-hmm. is what is what they say. I really like the fact that they brought that up so often because that was a lot of fun and it's all over the walls at Top Gun. They mm-hmm. we talk about that all the time. You know, at least when I went through in two thousand four.
1: Oh, that was years years and years ago. Your... Oh
0: my gosh, so long ago.
1: You're flying the state of the art. The best uh, equipment that that we have now.
0: That's right. Well, you I was you were. You I were. was yeah. You retired now. I'm flying an MD11 <laughs> <laughs> filled with. Uh, so I always, I I love to tell people this. You know, in the original Top Gun, he says if you if you screw this up, you'll be flying rubber out of Hong Kong. Remember, uh-huh. Can I say that on this? Yeah,
1: rubber rubber dog
0: crap. Yeah, rubber dog crap out of Hong Kong or something like that. And so now that's what I'm doing, but I get paid a lot more money to do that. Uh-huh. Exactly. <laughs>
1: Okay, that's all the time we have for the first half of the main event. Stay tuned for five minutes of traffic, weather, sports, and commercials, and we'll be right back with the final section of this interview. And welcome back to part two of the main event. My name is Ed Hoffman with United American Mortgage. I don't talk a lot about real estate and finance on the radio because uh, if you're not in the market, it might be boring. But if you are in the market for a a, a purchase or a refinance or one of those reverse mortgage things, call me at 951-252-2027. That's 951-252-2027 or go to edhoffman.net, click on the United American Mortgage logo. Um, Also, uh, we just got announced new uh, new Fannie Mae uh, rates, uh, uh, loan limits yesterday. Um, For those of you that are looking for reverse mortgage and you've looked at it, your house is worth more than a million dollars and you haven't been been able to get enough money out of it because the limits were lower. They raised the new limits to 1,089,000 yesterday. Well, it's effective in January, but if we start now, you're going to close in January anyway. So 951-252-2027, give me a call and see if we can help you out with that. So we're continuing with our interview of Colonel Byron Sullivan, call sign Shrek. And as we continue into the uh, into the second half, we continue to talk about Top Gun Maverick, the, the box office smash of this uh, past summer. And then then we get into my biggest question of all. Uh, how do our military soldiers feel about what's going on with the leadership of this country and how it affects them and their attitudes? Enjoy. You mentioned you take out the surface to air, and then you just drop a drop a bomb with an F thirty five.
0: Yeah, that's uh, we would have, we would have that would have been a, a well orchestrated, uh, large force mission to go in and do that. You would have put a mission commander in charge. And, you know, the interesting thing is it, uh you would have had it. You would have brought in all your Top Gun bros and gals, you know, sisters and brothers, whatever, to come put that mission together, and and they would have that carrier air wing that went to go do that the amount of training that they do before they launch and go out to sea is tremendous they would have been prepared to execute a mission like that the eaches of it and putting it together would have been uh would have been difficult in this case they they made a bunch of impossibilities possible right like you can't do that in less than three minutes like nobody flies below 100 feet you know all these type of things and um uh, but the idea that we would send a whole bunch of folks, all of our best and brightest Top Gun br- uh, people, back to uh, to Top Gun to go train for this is, is very unrealistic. We wouldn't have done it like that. But once again, it was a great movie. The thing that I found the most unrealistic of the movie uh-huh. was playing a football game in jean shorts. On the beach in North Island, like who wears jean shorts these days? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what was wrong with the jams and the volleyball? I mean, that was pretty cool, right? Uh-huh. But they had to get some some uh, some, some uh, upper che- torso shots. I had to
1: get some cheesecake in there. Yeah,
0: some cheesecake. No, I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, but
1: what about the the the? Uh, hey, we're playing crossfire football. We're building a team.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, that's there's all sorts of different ways to build a team, and I thought that uh, you know. Maybe that's a good way to do it. I do I mean legitimately, you know. Team building, a lot of it needs to happen outside of the office, mm-hmm. you know, outside of the cockpit. And uh, in this case, you know, you're building a team. Have, make them play together, fight together, you know. And exactly. I thought that that was legitimate. I thought that was totally legitimate.
1: Speaking for yourself, but also as the leader of talented, sophisticated fighter pilots, warriors, warriors in the art of war. What are some of your general feelings? What are some of the general feelings? I'm asking you to testify on how how somebody else feels. What's the general feeling of our military today, serving under a commander in chief, Joe
0: Biden? Um, so, uh, I will tell you that uh, there is there's a lot of concern out there. There's a lot of folks who aren't happy. There's a lot of folks, you know, that uh, that are concerned about the direction of our country. Um, and I think that there are a lot of guys that are disenfranchised. And when you talk about, you know, how do we get the best and brightest into the military today, you look at our veterans, and, uh, and they say they wouldn't join this military today. And that's where majority of our recruiting comes from is our veterans, the people mm-hmm. who, who live down the street, who, you know, you see on a regular basis. You know that uh, on Veterans Day, Memorial Day, whatever, that individual's in their uniform, and you go, wow, I want to be like that person. Yep. Um, so I think that there is great concern about our leadership uh, at the highest levels, the political level, uh, primarily. Um, I think that there's, you know, there's concern about what type of funding we're going to get. Uh, you know, when you look at, and you mentioned this several times during our conversation today, but uh, when you look at the amount of money that uh, that our military folks are getting paid, it's it's doesn't even come close to keep up with inflation right now. And, and that's happening a lot across the board, so I don't want to take anything away from anybody else. We're,
1: we're worried about what the people make at McDonald's flipping hamburgers
0: make sure that they can feed their families, but we're not worried about what the military guys... It's, it's insane. It's insane the number of military folks that are on food stamps. And thank you for what you have done and what you continue to do to support our military by helping out our veterans and stuff like that. That really means a lot. And uh, and I know that, uh, that you really enjoy doing that, and I think that that is tremendous. And I don't want to get too far off subject here, but I'm going to talk about it because it's right on the tip of my tongue. But when I first joined and people would say, thank you for your service, I was like, don't thank me for my service. Like... I don't, I don't need your pity or whatever. You know what I mean? Uh, it was just weird. It was just an uncomfortable conversation for people to say that. Thank mm-hmm. you for your service. But as I got older and I realized <clears throat> that they meant it. Does that make sense? Yep. Like people mean it. And, um, I do. Yeah. And the, um, and so, you know, when you hear that, uh, it means a lot. And I don't think that the young folks, you know, the young Marines and stuff, they need to hear it, too. But I think that uh, it's, you know, as you get older and as you've done more things um, and people say that, it's like, wow, I think you really mean that. You know what I mean?
1: Well, it becomes real when we got attacked on nine eleven. That it's it's real. Hey, there's a threat out there and our military guys are the only only reason that we're that we're free here and what's sad today is you've got people voting voting for our leadership that weren't even alive on 9/11. Mm-hmm. So they don't they don't have that they don't have that that feeling
0: that that Yeah, it's all in the history books, right? Yep. And the history
1: books are being wiped
0: out. That's right. We and don't want
1: we don't want to teach people about our history. We want to we just want to go forward.
0: We just don't want to offend anybody about our history. I'm a perfect example, you know. I could have stayed in the Marine Corps um, for another 10 years i believe i didn't agree with uh with what my leadership in the marine corps the direction that they were headed um i'd let them know but uh even our three-star generals were getting shot down um and uh you know when i mean shot down i mean you know they were being told to shut up and color uh on the direction for the marine corps Mm -hmm. Uh, and and then i'm and i'm speaking marine corps specifically but uh you know, I believe that uh, we're headed in the wrong direction uh, in the Marine Corps today. And who knows where it goes, but I believe that, uh, I think that we need good leaders in our community as well. And, uh, and I'm happy to participate in that uh, realm. The, um, but it was just time for me to go. And I think that when I look back at it, uh, there was a lot of guilt I carried across the country when I left Yuma and moved to Memphis. And that hung on for a long time as far as and what I mean by guilt was I felt like I let my um, my constituents down. The young men and women who looked up to me as a fighter pilot and as a leader in the Marine Corps. But in the end, you know, I talked to all those folks they understood what was going on. But but what you see is you see lieutenant colonels who are who are just finishing squadron command, which is the best time of your life. That is that is what. Every marine, every fighter pilot should work towards, in my opinion, is to be a commanding officer, uh, and not from a, um, not from some sort of chest beating, uh, feeling, but you want to be that instructor, you want to be that leader, you want to be that mentor. To me, there's nothing more rewarding in the world than doing that. And once you've done it at the 05 level, you should want to go do it at the, and when I say 05, the lieutenant colonel level, you should want to go do it at the colonel level, which is what happened to me. I finished my lieutenant colonel career, uh, command, and I was like, man, that, that was great, and I want to get an opportunity to go do that again and fly fighters and be with the Marines and everything else. And I went and did it. And uh, and when I was done, I looked at the future, and uh, and I just didn't see it there for me. But the problem today is that we see, we see, I see fighter pilots across all the different services going. You know what? I'm not going to stay the extra four years just for retirement. I want my life. I'm going to go do something different. Um, and I don't know if that's just from a from a um, a non-war footing that we're in, like we're in a peace peace military, or if that's kind of. uh, or if that's from all of the other things that are getting pushed down on us uh, from you know, from the outside, from the political level.
1: That the military doesn't feel like the military as you know it to be.
0: That's right. And, you know, the opportunity is great. I mean, for our mechanics, for the guys who work on the airplanes, the guys and gals that work on the airplanes, they can go out and make a ton more money out in the real world. Um, Granted, there are some uh, intangibles, like different allowances that we get and stuff like that, but none of it makes up for, for being able to, uh, be with your family more um, or anything else but um but you want to fight for that shining city on top of the hill, right? Like you want to fight for your America. And um and my concern is more than the military, it's for this country right now and where we are as a United States of America.
1: There's a line in the movie uh thirteen hours, uh, the the lost soldiers of Benghazi Tyrone Woods and uh, Silva, I forget his first name are talking in one of the pauses in that 13 hours. And he said, you know what? When I got in, I was fighting for something bigger than us. Mm-hmm. That something bigger is gone.
0: Yeah. And I can remember walking the streets of Ramadi in 05 going, why the hell am I here? What, what am I doing here right now? And, you know, I just lost my friend. And, um, and you're thinking to yourself, you know, what are we here fighting for? And it goes back to Vietnam it goes back to why are we here and that goes back to what we opened up the discussion with i think which is you know politicians today they need they need to listen to their military leaders and they need to understand that we need to fight for things that are within our national security interests and that's it uh you know i think that we could have done some great work against the russians in ukraine personally i think that the way we're doing it right now is great i think uh I think that there are a lot of things that we could do on the domestic side that would help fight that war even better if we turned the pumps on here, mm-hmm. started making gas, get the EU off the Russians uh teat, if you will, for, for fuel and you know, lower the price of gas here. Like I said, I mean, we're worried if we're worried about talking about Ukraine. There's gonna be people that are freezing in New England because yep. they don't have gas.
1: Yep. It Seems to me that leadership just doesn't have any kind of uh foresight, uh, understanding a cause and effect. And they're, they're worrying about little things like the green stuff and they don't realize the, the harm they're doing to the country in general. I agree. As someone who's led our military and, and to me, you led our military. I know you're, I know you're not a David Mattis and I know you're not a, a, general Milley. Thank God. What's your overall feeling about
0: where America is. We have divided ourselves in, in this country. And and when I say that, I mean, at the political level, at the, at the highest levels, we can't have a conversation because people don't listen. They just talk over each other. Uh, there is a way forward for this country, and that is, you know, bipartisanship, people working together to make this country put us back on the right direction, right? Uh, I think at the lower levels, I mean, you know, uh, I don't, you know, when I walk around town here, I don't see people running around talking about politics all the time. What are they worried about? They're worried about the price, the fact that the price of their turkey went up 23%, mm-hmm. that the price of their groceries are out of control. It is, you know, we need to think about our country as a whole first before we think about the 0.1%. That's my biggest concern about this country today, is that we're kowtowing to a small part of society that gets a lot of media attention and a lot of political ramification. People think they're going to get votes based on what's happening today. But what's going to happen is what just happened. And I'm surprised that our red wave, or whatever it's supposed to be, wasn't more powerful to let those folks really know that.
1: As am I. I'm very surprised by that. And I have to wonder where all the hanging elections were the same place they were in 2020. Mm -hmm. And how much did the mail-in ballots affect that? Uh, give opportunity to cheat, and I think we we better figure a way
0: to fix that. The you know the Supreme Court decision. Um, I almost wonder if that was like planted to happen at that time to keep some of those Dems or some of those people who who don't believe in that uh, from from voting for the right answer, which mm-hmm. is what's best for this country. You know, we're in a scary place. Most societies. Don't live much further than where we are today. Uh, you know, Rome is a perfect example. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes we used to say, "You know, I feel like I'm on the outside of Rome watching it burn."
1: What Benjamin Franklin said: "We, you know, we gave you a republic if you can keep it." That's right. Right now, we're we're losing it.
0: Well, thanks, Ed. Thanks for having me. I appreciate your patriotism and all that you do for this country and uh, and all that you're doing, you know, getting the good word out on uh, on what's going on and keeping people apprised of, of where we are as a country. I think that that's huge. Um, and uh, hopefully we can do this again.
1: Absolutely. I love, I love that. And then we can... Uh we can uh, go get some red meat and some alcohol.
0: <laughs> That's right. Go get some prime rib.
1: All right. Okay. Byron Sullivan, call sign Shrek. Thanks for joining us and sharing with us uh, your your candid feelings and your uh, and your tremendous knowledge. Thanks, Ed. Okay. I hope you enjoyed that interview with uh, Colonel Byron Sullivan, call sign Shrek. Um, we're going to put the whole interview up on edhoffman.net. So if you want to listen to the whole two hours uninterrupted and no breaks, and it'll be good listening. Um, so now we have time to talk about a little bit about what's going on in this country to avert a shutdown of the nation's railways during the holiday season. Congress is now tasked with intervening in a private labor dispute. And you know, what makes me wonder is how do they pick which ones they do? Here's, here's a Pentagon spokesman, John Kirby, with his comments about the, uh, something going on at the, uh, world cup this week. Can I ask you a quick one on Iran? Sure. The U.S. men's national soccer team yeah. uh,
0: has thrown up an image of the old flag before then, including the Islamic Republic yeah, symbol. Sure. Um, was the uh, Does the White House
1: have any comment on that decision?
0: No, actually, we don't, and this isn't the kind of thing that, you would, that the
1: White House would comment on. Uh, USA soccer is a private entity, and they... Uh, uh, they make their
0: own decisions about those kinds of things and uh, uh we wouldn't uh we wouldn't comment on that we wish them all the best tomorrow
1: yeah it's funny how they pick and choose when they want to get involved in uh private industry stuff private stuff you know this whole thing's about the U- US United States put on social media they posted the old Iranian flag without the uh Islamic Republic symbol on it and and it's all about what they posted on social media so I'm not sure how, how that's, that's not something the government wants, doesn't want to get into when, of course, if, they, if Elon Musk decides to let Trump back on Twitter, they're going to put a full investigation into Elon Musk to make sure he's not a national security threat. And, of course, Donald Trump's running for president again, so let's indict him on some things, and let's do a full investigation and get a special, special counsel to, to investigate Trump. But, you know, on these other things, you know, they don't want to get involved. Of course, going back to the rail strike, as you may recall, railroad worker unions said they planned a strike if an agreement with their employers wasn't reached. Kind of how all strikes work. Among the workers' concerns are grueling, unpredictable schedules that make it difficult to attend medical appointments or family events. And of course, that's why railroad workers, not brain surgeons, get paid as well as they do. We all thought an agreement for this was made in September, but apparently we were wrong. The White House did broker a tentative deal in September that included a 24% increase in wages over five years, one additional paid day off, the ability to attend medical appointments without penalty, and a payout of $11,000, equivalent to two years of bonuses worth more than $5,000 each, when the deal is ratified. However, the proposal failed to win the approval of all the unions involved. Four of them are demanding the contract be amended to include seven days of paid medical leave per year. So on Wednesday, the House approved a bill that includes seven paid days. Then on Thursday, it passed the Senate, despite some Republicans resisting the idea of injecting the government into private contract negotiation, which is never a good idea. Which is why Biden pleaded to to the Senate Republicans to act urgently, something he should have done back in September. And maybe something he should have done all the way since uh, January 20th, 2021, is actually talk to the Republicans you know, one-on-one. Here's Arkansas Republican Rick Crawford, who sits on the tra- Transportation Committee.
0: The president who has, by his own declaration, been the most union-friendly president in history. Been here since 1970. Joe Amtrak, Joe Lunchbox, whatever you want to call him, he has punted this to us to deal with his colossal mistake.
1: Yeah, and since, uh, you know, get, getting the government involved in private matters is always a bad idea, but this wipes out. White House says it's okay to pick and choose the ones they want to get involved in. So they'll intervene with the labor dispute, but they don't want to have any part of the the World Cup stuff. And of course, and I'm not saying they should. I'm saying they should stay out of all of it and realize once they get involved in in the rail dispute. So now how does that affect private industry with labor unions That the that the politicians in our government, they made a decision that this is how it's going to be. What does that what does that mean they're forcing they're forcing the railroad companies uh hand to have to provide all these extra benefits and what does that do that raises their cost and remember how how the government forced people the uh, companies to give minimum wage raise it up to fifteen dollars an hour for for kids that flip hamburgers for a living well you know what it's it's not fair that people that flip hamburgers for a living Can work 40 hours and still not be able to pay their bills well guess what if that's all you trained yourself to do in your life uh and that's how much worth you have is to flip hamburgers then that's all you that's all you get and you know realize that minimum wage jobs are for high school kids to do while they're uh while they're going to school and they're getting some uh, money for dates and gas for their parents cars and insurance and you know what uh and or for other people to get into to show how, how much they're worth and, and lead to more opportunities. You know, the harder you work, the more opportunities come your way. If you haven't, if you haven't read my book, you'll learn all about that. Uh, go to ed and order, uh, uh, experience matters. Here's mine. I have a whole bunch of chapters about, about working hard and, uh, and setting up your legacy and your, and your, your riches by showing people how much you're worth. And that means, that means, uh, work at work as if you're already making a hundred thousand dollars a year when you're making minimum wage and and watch what happens. The you'll get opportunities from your employer, you'll get opportunities from people that just come around and see how you work. And and realize that we're seeing the inflation today because of because of the forced minimum wage that we forced on companies a couple of years ago and then how the gas prices we, uh, we forced gas prices up by cutting out the uh, supply and, and all the little things that we've done that the government has done to get involved in the free market. Guess what? The free market always works. The only thing that doesn't work is people. So when the government gets involved, it just screws everything up and you'll watch. This will screw things up too because transportation costs will go up, uh, will go up for the railroad and slowly things will trickle down trickle down into the cost of more goods and you'll see inflation go up higher. Hey, if you have comments on my interview with uh, Byron Shrek Sullivan or anything else on the show, send me an email to ed at edhoffman.net. So anyway, I'm all out of time for this uh, episode of the main event. So uh, my name's Ed Hoffman. Thanks for listening and uh, behave yourselves out there while you're Christmas shopping. And uh, don't forget the gift of choice this year is real estate.